Hi everybody, welcome into the Irish NFL show, Friday night, April the 30th, draft night two, uh, after a very, 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 very late night last night. Uh, welcome into all the boys, first of all, how's it going lads, good? Oh good, uh, refreshed, uh, d- delighted to have our guest on uh, this evening, he's uh, an immense storyteller, so I think uh, this is going to be a-, a good one, and uh, a-, a lovely kind of, uh, you know, ch- change of pace from uh, last night. Brian, you're still awake. I am, yeah, and uh, took time out this afternoon to really get my head around, which was a you know, highly entertaining night and a lot of surprises in terms of where players went within the 32. So uh, I think we're all on board now in terms of who's gone where, and it's still an interesting few hours ahead with round two and three to come later on this evening. Mark, as Brian said there, a bit like Jeremy Corbyn's meme, we're back and we're ready for it all over again. Big night ahead, 12 a.m. start. You ready for it? Yeah, um, unfortunately, it wasn't Jeremy Coleman. It was Jeremy Shockey. Was the Jeremy you can trust, probably more more so. Uh, we're back yet again. And in fairness, Michael, much as I love you guys, I'm seeing you more than my wife. And if it wasn't for our guest tonight, Mike Carlson, there is no chance I'd be on tonight with you. I would be catching up on some sleep at this point. Absolutely. Well, let's let's bring him in. This is a guy that uh, I fondly remember on my television screen when I was in university late on the Sunday, Monday night, whenever. I can't even remember what it was now, but this guy got me into the game, so it's it's great to bring him on. Uh, he was on a show for me and Colin previously, but here he is, gentlemen. Uh, Mike Carson, Iron Mike, uh, the legend of the game over here. How's it going, man? Yeah, oh, it's going fine. I mean, I, I um, as I was telling you guys before, I, I didn't stay up to watch the draft. Um, I really don't see much point in it anymore. Um, it, it, it's the world's, it's like the world's worst senior prom combined with graduation. And, and Roger Goodell is like Principal Skinner combined with jo- Johnny from The Price is Right. You know, tell them what they won, Roger. <laughs> with the number of suspects, you've got aloe, aloe vera uh, Jackson from USC. USC, producing fine linemen since 1937. Um, that kind of stuff. And, you know, all these guys wearing suits for the first time and, um, you know, the, the networks have their um, queen, prom queens out there in their hall gowns on the red carpet to interview the mothers. And, you know, are you proud of him? And waiting for one mother to say, no. <laughs> Wait till he gives me the money. Then I'll be proud of him. You know, it, it's like, <laughs> and the commercials and, and you know, and the, the nugget meisters all rushing to try to be the first ones to get information and everybody you know in a way it was kind of nice that Aaron Rodgers decided to be the like NFL Hamlet and um and uh like steal the whole show from everybody <laughs> and, and I, I just thought that that was just fascinating because you had you literally had you literally had mouth clowns saying they had you know the inside information and contradicting each other you know within seconds of each other you know He's going here. No, he's not. <laughs> they're going to trade him. No, they're not. <laughs> That's why you have to lo- lo- just love Twitter as well, Mike. But Mike, before we even start off, and we usually ask our guests, especially you know if, if they're from the UK or America, whatever, if they have any Irish heritage or affinity to Ireland. I, I know, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I know you've came over here a number of times to do shows for American football and stuff. I, I, what, what's your affinity to Ireland? Well, um, there's no connection bloodwise. although I did call up many years ago when I decided it was time for me to get a British passport. The process was so off-putting and expensive that I called the Irish consulate or an embassy in London 
And I asked if I could get an Irish passport. And the guy said, uh, were your grandparents Irish? I said, nope. And he said, well, were your parents Irish? And I'm thinking to myself, now that would be a mean feat if they accomplished that. But I kept my mouth shut. And I said, no, they aren't either. He said, well, on what grounds, um, you know, would you like an Irish passport? And I said, well, I've written a couple of books. He said, you know, would I have heard of them? I said, no. He said, that won't work. And I said, well, the British, I want to get a, a, an EU passport. And the British one is just really so expensive and they're so unpleasant to me. I just thought, you know, I'd be happy to pay like 500 quid for an Irish one. This is silence on the other end. And, and the guy says, well, we don't work like that, sir. I said, well, maybe you should start. And then, of course, I don't know what it was, seven years later or whatever, you know, Brexit comes along and, and now it's like a land office business going up for Irish passports. But otherwise, I did, I did, um, I did some high school games in Dublin. Um, um, when, uh, um, I can't remember then the global football came over and, and staged a whole, a whole bunch of games around one of the college games. I did an NFL game in Dublin, um, uh, on Sky many, many years ago. The, the Broncos, if I remember right, and Bears, I think the Bears and someone. Steelers. Bears and Steelers. Yeah. Um, and, um, when I worked for ABC, I did a number of events, the Irish Derby, a couple of McGuigan fights um, in, in Dublin, Road Mile. We did a Road Mile in Dublin. And um, uh, I had briefly had a fling with this woman from Bray, uh, but we won't go into that um, because my girlfriend at the moment is from Limerick. <laughs> so, uh, that's that's my that's my um, Irish connection now. I'm a big Limerick. Limerick hurling fan, which which I was before I met her, but but that, that got me intensely into it. And and her daughter, one of her daughters, is a huge Munster um, supporter. Has a subscription. She's at university. She has a subscription and everything. So um, I do I do a lot of off the ball. I love those guys. It's one of the best radio sports shows I think anywhere in the in the English speaking world. But mostly because. A, they're so smart, and B, they cover so many different sports. Um, you know, it's it's a really it's a really great program, um, and yeah, so I, I like it. You know, I'm ha I'm always happy to go there. I wish I could, but you know, wish I could now. And of course, was it two years ago? Yeah, two years ago we did a Super Bowl preview show live in the sports bar in Dublin, which was great, great fun. That was that was um, a bet. Um, can I say bet fair? Um, well, yeah, yeah. I, because I, because uh, the uh, their part, they're based in in Ireland, and I do a lot of stuff with them, uh, podcasts and occasional appearances and columns and things like that. And those guys are great as well. You know, it's um, it's really a pleasure. I, I think I wound up in the wrong country at one point. You know, when, if the plane had stopped in in Dublin or at, at Shannon instead of uh, Luxembourg, <laughs> things might have been really different. Mike, uh, I, I think maybe uh, you should um, chat to uh, to Jason Bell, given that uh, he has uh, Irish connections through his, uh, his 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 love interests. So uh, maybe uh, mm -hmm. you could both uh, head over and, and uh, do a, an, an NFL special, uh, and and there might be a few others to to come over at some point as well. Um, I think, yeah, I think Jay Jay Bell Jay Bell. Um... She's a she's a better selling point than J Bell. You know, that's when we're gonna get that's when we're gonna get the crowd. You know, it's not me, not me or him. You know, certainly not me, not him, not him either. You know? um, 
I, I will point out, though, that um, Jay Bell and I had our colleges had the same number of guys drafted just last night, which is zero. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, Wesleyan's, keep, Wesleyan's keeping up with UCLA. Um, I was like, My, it, it, uh, was, it was a strange draft, wasn't it? Um, partly because we know we knew even less than we usually know, which is nothing. Um, going into the draft, we we speculate, and, and everybody's got inside tips and stuff. But this time, uh, you know, apart from the the first two picks being set set in stone, and and a few others being kind of obvious that you know if things broke well, that's that's the way they would work. Um, I only did a mini, I only published a mini draft of the first fifteen places, which was horrible. Um, but then I started getting these odd odd ones like Najee going to um, Pittsburgh. You know, it's, it's like, and whenever you get a late pick right, it's amazing because it's like I had Derisaw in my first 15 going to Minnesota at, at pick 14, and he went to pick 23 when they traded down. And I'm, I'm saying I don't get that trade by the Jets. You know, I mean, I like, I like, um, I like, uh, I keep calling him Aloe, you know, Al Vera Tucker, Aloe Vera Tucker. But I mean, I liked him a lot, and you know, I, I thought he was a, he was a really good. But I assume the Jets are going to play him at guard, and then eventually move him to to uh, tackle when they get out from under a couple of contracts. Um, so that's why they they wanted him, and, and they're probably right; he wouldn't have lasted twenty three. But I mean, Minnesota were really lucky that people were making some kind of strange draft picks and letting Darrisaw slip to them. Um, and there there are a couple of situations like that where sitting put um it's the Ozzie Newsom tactic you know uh, they generally let the draft come to them and they Baltimore and they they generally do really well and they did that again this year yeah mm -hmm. um what what did you think in terms of the the 49ers taking Trey Lance uh rather than um the other options that were available to them yeah now I love Trey Lance but that was based on 2019 um I'm actually a South Dakota State fan because my best friend, my film teacher, <laughs> lives out there in her retirement. Um, and I actually scouted South Dakota State a couple of years ago when I was out there visiting them um, with Nate, watched one practice, you know, and, and came away an expert on, on, their, on their team. But North Dakota State's, you know, a great team. Um, and that team was really good. Um, and I think you'll see a couple more guys drafted tomorrow. Uh, from North Dakota State, counting I'm counting Jabril Cox uh, from LSU on that because he was on that undefeated team and then transferred to LSU. Um, and and Badun, Baduns, um, he'll he'll go I think tomorrow um, as well. But so I loved Lance, but then of course you have it's like when I do mock drafts, when I look at the draft, my problem is I always think, what would I do? And of course, I don't know anything. You know, I don't know what's going on inside a team, you know, how they evaluate players. You know, and I learned this covering NFL Europe is, you know, coaches evaluate players completely differently. You know, one year, one year I had Jim Kreiner yelling, not yelling at me, but criticizing me friendly in the elevator because I hadn't put Mike Lockwood on my all NFL Europe team for Pro Football Weekly. And I had put, um, um, the guy from Barcelona, Denver, uh, Matt Lepsis, at at the tackle spot. And I said, well, I just thought 
Jim, I just thought he's a better, you know, he played better. You know, I like Lockwood, but, you know, like, and Lepsis turned out he had some Pro Bowl years. You know, he went to Denver, played really well, and, and Mike Lockwood couldn't make in the NFL because he was six foot ten and, and a, he was a waste vendor, basically, as they call it. And, um, you know, that doesn't make me smarter than them. It just shows you that coaches look at, look at guys differently. GMs do, scouts do, and you have no idea how they're evaluating any certain player, not just the ones up to the draft, but the ones on their own team, you know, that you think they should be upgrading from. They're happy enough with a guy, you know, they're, he fits under their budget. So, you know, in, in that sense, um, I, I enjoy people who try to do the mock based on what they think the teams will, will do rather than like me generally doing as to what I would do in that situation. Um, and my understanding from what I've listened to and got from various people whose opinions I sort of trust, it was that they, the Niners, when they made the trade, were probably set on Mac Jones. But then in that, in that period, where usually what happens is that you over-evaluate the other, in the other direction. Guys like Trey, Trey Lance would slip more. Um, but the more they watched film and the more they thought they, I think they changed their minds on that one because certainly you didn't need, to be honest, you didn't need to drop, go up to three probably to get Matt Jones either. Um, you know, maybe it was the, you know, they paid a lot to go up to number three and neither Jones, you know, both Jones and Lance would probably have been available later than that. You know, it, it, it's hard, it's hard to say. You have to take, take how you go best. But I, I think, I think Kyle Shanahan was probably the star, except for Aaron Rodgers, doing his Philip K. Dick imitation about what is reality. You know, how, how do we know that it's not some alien, you know, this whole NFL draft day process is not taking place on the fingernail of some alien from outer space, you know? Um, <laughs> He, he can't promise anyone will be alive, Mike. Wasn't that <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but he did mention aliens, you know, like we don't know if it's real. You know, it's like this could all just be a construct of some alien beings or, uh, you know, um, you know, you remember Animal House where the guy, you know, oh man, can I buy some marijuana from you? He says to his college professor after he explains something similar to that. Um, so they did a great job of hiding their intentions from the start, you know, even the Jimmy Garoppolo business. But I don't see what the point of it was, particularly because they couldn't gain anything from people thinking or not thinking. Garoppolo lost an awful lot of his val trade value in the process uh, because they were obviously set on taking a quarterback. And he might have got a bit of it back because Lance is a likely candidate to sit for a while and let Jimmy play. And and I'm a I'm not down on Garoppolo for his play. Um I still think that they they should have won that Super Bowl against Kansas City and even that last pass to Emmanuel Sanders. See Sanders gets pushed in the back on that play. If he doesn't sort of stumble forward, he probably gets one more stride and, and gets to that ball. And Garoppolo had been knocked silly by Ben Neiman with no call on the helmet to helmet a couple of plays before that. So the problem with Garoppolo is that you can't trust him to get through a year. And I think for all the talk that New England would love to have him back, when Brady was suspended those first four games of the season a couple of years ago, 
Garoppolo only lasted the first two games, and then he got hurt. And Brissett, Brissett had had to come in and play. And so that I think is a you know is is what more teams would be worrying about in terms of turning the team over to him than than his necessarily bad play. And now, of course, with Mac Jones going all the way down to 15, um, I admire the people who actually mocked Mac Jones to take it to 15. Um, because I, I was saying to people, I, yeah, well done, well done. I was saying to people, I thought Bill was unlikely to trade up more than a couple of spots. He wasn't going to get rid of all this capital because the big thing with theme with the Patriots this year has been all of a sudden they had a lot of tax base plus a lot of need at the same time, which they will, they, they're not used to having. It, it hasn't really happened before. And he's patched his team together year by year. Um, and finally just ran into a, a, you know, last year ran into a brick wall where they, they couldn't really upgrade like they needed to. So this year he could go out and spend money on free agents. He still didn't go for the top guys. He probably overpaid for, for what would you call them? Second not, not blue chip, red chip players, you know, more or less. Um, but, but he made sure he got them. And now in the draft, he had enough picks to do, to do some business. Goodell didn't take his first round pick away from him this year, um, you know, for, for mumbling through too many interviews or whatever. Um, and uh, I didn't think they would throw away most of that draft capital, even though last year they did. You know, they, they used extra picks to move up to get these two tight ends that didn't play all year. Um, it was really, really strange in, in that sense. So I thought he would let the draft come to him in that sense. And I thought he'd have this, you know, at 15 this year, you had the choice of, of some pretty good players, you know, um, including a couple of guys who, who weren't. I mean, the next three guys who went in that draft were all guys I wasn't sure would get taken in the first round. Um, four guys. I'm going down list five guys, you know. Um, so you had, you had guys like Darasaw were there if you wanted him. Bateman, who I thought the Patriots might be interested in because he was a good, he seemed to be a good fit for what they needed. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, um, maybe a uh, cornerback, certainly Morig, who was, I think, the guy I was most surprised didn't go in the first round, the, the safety from TCU, um, who I think a couple of teams, I, I'm, I was surprised, didn't take him when he was available. Um, so, yeah, getting Mac Jones is probably a plus for them. And for all the criticism of Mac Jones, um, when you think about what his negatives are, his negatives are exactly the same negatives that Tom Brady had coming into the NFL. Um, his positives are pretty much the same positives that Tom Brady had. Now, I think he's got to work on his arm strength, his physical strength, that kind of stuff. But processing, um, you know, headiness, quick release, all that kind of stuff that they really value, um, are exactly his strong points. So, you know, more, more power to him. And I will say that I deliberately kept talking there, um, because Kieran O'Connor from Betfair warned you guys not to let me talk, uh, or I would go on for four hours. So I figured my first answer would be at least five minutes long. There's a comment, Mike, saying if, if Mike was a rapper, he'd be in his flow right now. So I think people are enjoying it. Don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> I don't think I can do them rhyming, you know. If you guys have been around long enough, one one time on Channel 5, when I used to do the highlights on Monday night, they would give me these VHS tapes edited with each game edited down to about a minute 15. And then I'd have to like watch it on the VHS machine and, Handwrite a script that I then read live when we when we did it, 
And one time it, it was it was the year the Ravens won the Super Bowl, and it was a game that they won like twelve to seven or something like that. All the points came from Matt Stover field goals, and. I was just thinking, someone said, like, when are the Ravens going to score a touchdown? I said, never. And then all of a sudden it came to me, never more, the Ravens. And I actually wrote a poem. I wrote a, a version of um, Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven and did the minute 15 or whatever it was to that. And, and it worked out absolutely perfectly. You know? uh, for weeks over and over, just the toe of Matthew Stover. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Those were the days. Mike, a team that was picking just a couple of spots behind the pages was the Raiders, and Mike Mayock today seems to be the one general manager of all of them is getting the most criticism because of the selection of Alex Leatherwood, who arguably was supposed to be being um, touted to go in the second or third round and not the first round. And if he was to go in the first round, it certainly wouldn't be in the middle of the, the, the board. It'd be very much towards the back end of it. So... Um, he said today as well he's going to be an immediate starter, so it's just a very strange selection. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, there were guys I would have thought, if you want to tackle, would be preferable at that spot. I think part of his thinking is that Leatherwood can step right in and play right tackle, which would be his stronger suit. I don't think he's suited to be a left tackle in the NFL. And, and a lot of teams were projecting him as a guard anyway. Um, and he's a, he's a, he's a brawling kind of blocker, which is what the, you know, when we saw, we saw them, I keep going back to that game when we saw them at, at, um, at Wembley, you know, and Seattle did to them what they want to do to other teams, you know, but it was exactly, it was, it was exactly the same modus operandi. Um, they want to be big and, and push you around and run the ball um, a lot. But I isn't that Mayock's this hasn't that been Mayock's pattern as general manager? Um, and I'm not convinced Mayock's the guy who makes the ultimate decision on this either. Um, my my biggest um, worry about that is that when you get a guy like Leatherwood who can play multiple positions and you give him to Tom Cable. Cable will spend the first year and a half of his career moving him around to multiple positions like he did in, in Seattle. When Seattle's line was absolutely terrible, Tom, Tom Cable's solution to that was not to get the best five guys and put them there. It was to get the best five guys and then play like a chessboard and move all five of them around so that nobody was in the same position for more than a couple of weeks. And this is what I would worry about more than anything, you know, um, I know a lot of people who were Seattle fans were, were really down on Cable. And I met him once in NFL Europe training camp. And, you know, he was a great guy to talk to. He was really smart about line play. He, he was showing me lots of things, watching the drills that the guys had. But, you know, you couldn't argue with the results there. You know, he, he's really you know, had, had a tough time. And I wouldn't give him the opportunity to make those kind of, those kind of decisions, you know, with that line. Now, you know, some of what they've done is, um, Crosby's worked out, it seems, at the left tackle. Um, Richie Incognito is kind of like the prototype of what they want, you know, just big road grader, um, at guard. Hudson's, you know, <laughs> when they have, you know, it, it, that's what they want to do. So, you know, but, but I'm trying, I'm just, I'm just looking at, um, at who, who follows. I mean, well, I, I think the obvious guy is Derisaw, but Derisaw is going to be a left tackle. 
Um, so they, they might they might have they might have thought, well, we've got a left tackle. We need someone who's a little more versatile. But is I don't know if Leatherwood's actually better than like Mayfield or Carmen or those kind of tackle slash guard types on the scouting things. He probably was in there. Uh, Tevin Jenkins was one who didn't go in the first round that a lot of people yeah. thought he could have went yeah. down. That's yeah. yeah, and I mean, to be honest, I, at that's, well, they're picking early enough to still get a tackle. You know, the guy I really like, and, and I'm not surprised he didn't go in the first round, but if, if teams are smart, um, I think he'll be one of the first guys that goes tonight, would be Creed Humphrey. Um, the center in Oklahoma, and you know, and I think in a way, you're often better off taking a road ready center or guard than, you know, in Leatherwood's case, maybe the sixth or seventh best tackle um, in the draft. Now, it doesn't see it didn't suit Oakland. I think Oakland was kind of trapped in a little box where they they knew what they wanted. And when people talk about rounds, one thing you always have to remember is that first off, when they say he's a first round player or second round player. That doesn't mean much, you know. It's, it's like, is he the guy? Is he a guy who who will fill your need? And if you don't take him there, who's going to be on the board the next time the draft comes around to you? Assuming you don't, that means forty six. You know, who's going to be around at, at like forty six or forty seven? That's that's the dividing line. So maybe that's the way Mayock was. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, really want a guy who could be a stone left tackle, maybe move into guard. Yeah, I, I was going to say, Mike, Leatherwood might have still been there in the fifth round, in fairness. So um, maybe, like, the immediate reaction is maybe Darius Hayward Bay, uh, Jamarcus Russell, Leatherwood, you know, another great first round pick by the Raiders. But we'll see when they all get on, on the field, uh, obviously. Um, Michael, have I scared? Back, you know, no, he's yeah, back. Okay. He's back. Yeah. He's here. He's here. It's all good. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I think I talk too much. The connection, the connection <laughs> said, stop it. <laughs> I can't yeah. listen to this anymore. <laughs> Mike, I was just saying that maybe Leatherwood might have been there in the fifth round, but even like at that stage. So, you know, I think that that's kind of cool. Plus, there is a and there is a secret codicil to the NFL Constitution that says you have to draft at least six Alabama players in every first round. Well, they equaled the record last night with Miami in two thousand and four, six players in the one round. I actually last night when we were doing our live draft show, I was calling hopefully Barrymore to go or Barrymore to go to uh, um, Tampa Bay with the last pick to make seven, but ah, didn't come. I, out. I, I was surprised he didn't go in the first round, yeah. um, to be honest. Although you know it's. He was the best of, of what's not a hugely great bunch, um, but but I think he's got the potential to be a, a, a good um, NFL. But the interesting thing with Alabama is that in the last four draft, the last two drafts, they've had four wide receivers taken in the first yeah. fifteen picks. I mean, four guys in two years—that's ridiculous. And uh, three quarterbacks as well, if you count Jalen Hurts still as qualifying. Yeah. As, uh, yeah. You know, well, that was, that was one of the that was one of the themes um, last night was the reunion picks. You know, it's like, oh, Joe we're going to. Yeah. Joe, Joe Burrow. You know, we're going to we're going to pick him. Um, Hertz gets in Alabama. Tua gets in Alabama and uh, Lawrence gets ATN. 
um, as, yeah. as his running back. You know, it's like it, the college game is affected offenses so much that I think that the, the, they're looking at, well, if we keep these guys together, it'd be easier than coaching in the guard system. We'll just let him. It's like it'd be like the old days where the quarterback would, you know, kind of say, "Go out twelve yards and do a hook, you know, I'll find you." Well, well, Mike, you're saying about the old days, and actually, your Raven poem I do remember, and I've Whoa. used on our show once or twice. Maybe quote the Raven nevermore when usually when the Ravens have stepped up on defense, uh, and I do remember your lines about the New Jersey Giants as well, which never ceases to annoy uh, Brian them, on yeah. this, and, who and is, the Newark, uh, the Newark Airport Jets. Newark Airport Jets and everything. I mean, I always say, like, it's great that the Buffalo, the one New York team, you know, um, are doing so well again. It's great for the, the state of New York. But I won't wind him up tonight. He, he's, in, you know, I'm going to be in good behavior. Yeah. I, I also like calling them the New York football giants. But so, so does OC. OC takes OC does that. that yeah. 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 I think it's cool. You know, it, it, of course, you know, the baseball giants haven't been there since 1958. But. It's kind of a win nowadays, but let's they, they to the other side of the, the, the country to get away. But, Mike, I was going to ask you one quick question. You are the second most famous tight end to come out of Weselain. Uh There was another guy who came out of there who happened to play a bit of center as well. Um, and the tight end position, obviously, has always been a fundamental difference maker. Like, you can go <laughs> – you're. You know, your your famous tight ends recent and in the past, but you have to go back to 1972 to have a tight end draft in the top five. You have to go back to the days of Dicker and Kramer to have a tight end drafted at number four. And last night we saw who's regarded maybe as the best pass catcher in the entire draft last night, Kyle Pitts, go at number four. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um Atlanta had the choice between replacing Matt Ryan, protecting Matt Ryan, or giving Matt Ryan weapons. Um, I kind of thought they might look at Chase as being the new Julio Jones, which I think he's quite close to being. I think that that's a good comparison for him. But they can't get rid of Julio Jones, as far as I can imagine, because he's just it's co- it would cost anybody too much money. They, they have to pay him. So Pitts makes great sense. Um, he also makes great sense because Arthur Smith in Tennessee loved to play in 12 formation with two tight ends. And they've got Hayden Hurst already. So now you've got two guys who can, you know, really create mismatch problems for, for defenses. Now he's, I, I would say he's a willing blocker, kind of like I was <laughs> willing because you have to. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I mean, the dumbest thing are Mike senior, their coach among the dumb things he did. One of them was to move me to a weak side blocking tight end where the only reason I was playing my first two years was because I could catch the ball and they didn't have anyone else who could catch the ball. And I was not a very good blocker, um, in all, in all honesty. So leaving me there halfway through the season, I had, I was averaging like four to five catches a game. Um, and the last four games of the season, I had like a total of seven catches or something uh, and probably only got thrown to eight times. Um, but this was one of his ways of punishing me. And so, you know, I never had a boss who wouldn't steal the brass, bass drum from his own brass band kind of theory. Um, but Pitts, I don't know how much tight end, you know, they're going to line him up, I suppose, but the guy he reminds me of is a much more athletic 
explosive version of Aaron Hernandez. Um, and I, and I think, I think he'll be used in, in much the same way. And they have, if I remember right, Lee Smith is the other tight end on the roster. Lee Smith's just a, a tackle. Lee Smith's like a big blocking guy. So they can run doubles with him, um, as well as hers. They can run three tight ends. Um, and, you know, really drive, really drive teams crazy. And, and I think you'll see Pitts playing a lot of, wide receiver you know I, I the difference he's much bigger and um but the difference between him and like plexico Barres in terms of playing you know he's a better wide receiver i think than plexico was um and he does all he can do all the same thing so yeah it, it's a good I, I like the pick by atlanta because you know he's he's a once in a generation kind of player and they you know and and so you if you can fit him into what you want to do, I, I think that's that's worth taking. Mike, you were saying at the start of the show just about your your thoughts on the first night of the draft. Obviously, you had a lovely sleep last night, whereas I have been dying all day of tiredness, and I'm on my fifth coffee. Uh, do you prefer the second nights, or were you just talking, you know, in general, or do you, do you prefer the second and third rounds? Well, um, I think I think tomorrow's the most interesting day. Um, and, and tomorrow, I think you're going to see quite a bit of action. Um, I, I like the late rounds, especially back in the old days when I was, you know, really working hard trying to prepare for NFL Europe kind of. And, you know, you'd be looking at guys who might get drafted or signed and drafted and sent to, to Europe. Um, and, and, you know, I really like undrafted guys in general because once you've been exposed to that and, how hard it is to, to crack a roster and, you know, how hard these guys work to do it. You really appreciate it. But I mean, this year's unusual because I think the way the draft stacked up was the break came quite early. I mean, maybe around 12, 13. And then you get this huge pyramid of guys who aren't all that, all these edge rushers. You know, there's no outstanding edge rusher on the team. And, and most of the guys drafted yesterday are, are defensive ends, you know, um, and they're, they're going to have to play like that. But, but there was a group of them who were almost indistinguishable. Um, you know, strength, some strengths, some weaknesses and, and where they went. There's, there's a couple of them left in round two. Um, there's some good safeties left in round two. I think the best running back in the draft is still available. Um, and, um, oh, no, have we lost Mike again? Now, to be fair to Mike, the last time this happened, he came back, he can strip back in. So hopefully he does come back They're in not just the a wee second. Best we'll players see. in the draft, oh. quarterbacks are yeah. important position. They become the most important. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Mike, something happens and you just literally come straight back in. You're here. Go on ahead. Sorry. Go on ahead. Yeah. I, I mean, but, you know, that's the way quarterbacks affect the draft. Um, if you don't need a quarterback, you've got a whole lot more freedom. Um, you know, and as you watch the other teams position themselves to go for quarterbacks, um, you, you see better players, quote unquote, you know, falling down. I mean, I thought Sewell was the best player in the draft. Um, you know, if I had to take one player and say this guy's going to have a long NFL career and do really well, it would be Penny Sewell. Um, and I, I, I just thought Cincinnati had to take him, but 
I understand why they didn't. They think they're set at tackle, which they're not. I mean, Sewell's better than either tackle they have. Um, and Joe Burrow, you know, it's great he's got Chase to throw to. And Chase, is, as I said, is a really great receiver. I think he'll, I think he'll be good. But I would rather have my quarterback standing on his two feet throwing to the fifth best receiver in the draft or, or the guys they have now. They've got a couple of good guys now. They don't, you know, they didn't need to go for the best, you know, than have him lying on his back with a broken ankle or, you know, a bad knee after he's completed a pass to chase. Um, especially when he spent half his rookie year on IR. Uh, and then, you know, I, I didn't quite get, um, to be honest, is set at tackle. Again, not great. You know, you can't argue that Sewell's not going to be better um, than what they've got, but they had much more pressing needs. I was really surprised that, that Detroit went went for him because I'm I'm sure Carolina would have, you know, we're sitting there kind of going, oh, 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 oh we're going to get Sewell, we're going to get Sewell, you know, and um, and and that just didn't happen. And that that turned out to be the thing that had the knock-on effect with you know Dallas not not getting a quarter a cornerback and being willing to trade down um, and still coming up with Micah Parsons, who I think might have been the second best player in the draft. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, the, the Giants locked out, I think. I'm not sure why the Eagles traded up for, for Smith. Um, I know why, because the Giants were going to were going to take him. Um, but you know, why why worry about that? You know, it's it's like, do, do the Eagles really need a better version of Todd Pinkston again? Um, which is being cruel to him. He's a better receiver than, than Todd Pinkston was, but he looks like him. He's skinny. Um, he, he's skinny as as hell. Um, and you know, so. You know, if I'm if I'm like the Chargers, I'm watching all this happen, and and, Rash, and Rashawn Slater's falling to me at 13. I'm saying, wow, you know, <laughs> you know. So I woke up on the right side of the bed today. You know, I just had to sit there, and I get I get the, the guy who would probably be the number one tackle in a lot of drafts in the last five or six years. Um, uh, so that's you know, that's great for them. Yeah, Mike, I, I, the last time you were on with Michael and I, um, I think that the way you described the Chargers was a team that gets all the very big things right, but all of it, but all <laughs> of the small things wrong. Um, that was before Justin Herbert arrived and they made the offseason moves and getting Slater. Um, what your thoughts, I suppose, on, on the Chargers with, uh, with their new, um, you know, new su- superstar at, at QB? Well, Herbert, it was Herbert last year. Um, by the by, the time the draft came around, I I liked Herbert as well as Burrow, um, if not maybe better in some ways. Um, and the reason I did was Jeff Schwartz was talking about the last four games or so of the Oregon season because he went to Oregon, and and said they let Herbert run. They had they had not let him run before that, you know, only in emergencies and stuff. And Herbert can, as we saw, can run, can make time for himself. And he was a different kind of player. And watching watching those games, I saw, you know, that he was right. And so it's a good um, it's a good quality to have on, on a not very good uh, or a team with a not very good offensive line, which was the Chargers. And 
excuse me, tra- strangely enough, I went, I just happened to find while I was looking for an email, um, an old email, um, somehow it had got it into a file. There was this old column I'd written for, uh, Henry NFL Hank, um, when he was in London, you know, and, and it was like a, a Hollywood Henry. <laughs> it was a problem of it was a preview of the Chargers season from about 2013 when AJ Smith was still the general manager, and the, the Chargers were just the same. I mean, it's the same thing every year. You know, they on paper they looked like a great team, you know, our best team, but then everything would go wrong. You know, the, the coaches would coach badly, they'd get key injuries, they they mess up special teams. Nate Keating would you know hit 35 field goals in a row, and then when it came down to the playoff game, he'd miss three in one game. That, that kind of stuff. And I, I don't know how that happens. You know, I, I thought it would like, it was San Diego, <laughs> you know, and, and it went right back to Sid Gilman. You know, they, oh, it's, it's just life's too nice in San Diego. It's, you can't keep focused on, on football. So then they move up to, um, Dominguez Hills. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, it's Dominguez Hills because, you know, there's only 18,000 people in the stadium and, and it's suburb. No, nothing there. So they're in LA. So, you know, they're the Jets to the Giants in, in the Meadowlands. And, you know, it's, it's, it's as if, it's as if share it shared the same stadium, you know, and, and who would be the number two team and Everton would be the tenant, you know, and, and no one would let, would let them forget it, you know, or, or names in West Ham, you know. Bunk, bunking in with, with, uh, or it's like Chelsea and Fulham, you know, um, if Fulham were moving. Mm. But yeah, so, um, the Chargers, it's a great pick. He's great. He's going to be a great player, I think, for them. They need, they need help in the office. They need, they need actually a lot of other help now, too. Um, and that's, that's going to be a real, um, a real challenge for them, I think. Um, it's Mark, nice. Yeah, we, it's nice that you get coaches who who can you know all they have to do is like walk across the hall to the other locker room and dump their stuff there. It's, Mike, I think the one set of supporters of all the teams today that seems to be celebrating the most is the Chicago Bears supporters. Um, they're wax they're waxing lyrical over their new quarterback and potentially their franchise quarterback, which which they are probably long overdue one. But um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he hasn't. He hasn't even taken a snap yet in the league, and some no. of the stuff that's going around on social media today is unbelievable. And I'm not trying to have a go at Bears fans. Don't get me wrong. I know very few Bears fans. I'm happy to see them get a quarterback. It's just it, it was a big, a bit of a, a, a one say it was a reach, but it was a big move in terms of going from 20 up to 12. Yeah, and and they paid they paid um, a price for it, although not. As huge as you might have expected, but next next year's one along with the, the middle round picks. Um, someone was whoops, there he is. Someone was saying that they hadn't had an all uh, all pro quarterback since 1950 when Johnny Lujak and I didn't know Johnny Lujak was all pro in 1950, um, and I'm still wondering if, if that's the case. I didn't bother to check it because Lujak was terrible <laughs> not terrible but because it was a different game but but it, george um george hallis ruined his shoulder making him play defensive back and he had a great year he had one of the great passing years of the 1940s and then um 
and then you know could it was basically a run first quarterback after that it was a scatter shot but but i mean certainly sid luckman is still the greatest quarterback he could step into the bears lineup right now um and play you know he's certainly the best quarterback they've had and it's because george hallis hated quarterbacks he didn't know what to do with them you know um he made george brand our linebacker he traded him and then brought him back the next day so he could torture him more you know um it's Bobby Lane he got rid of. Uh, it's 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 bizarre, but um, Fields is a divisive kind of guy, and I'm not sure why. I know I know some of the criticism directed at him during the draft process was being criticized because it was the same old kind of melanin melanin centric tropes about you know not not concentrating enough or not being dedicated enough, all that kind of stuff, which is part of the build guys up and then tear them down in the last month before the draft kind of thing. But I think in Chicago, his skill set will probably be useful, shall we say, on that team. Because he's going into a team that's it's somewhat limited. Um Especially on the offensive side of the ball, he's got Allen Robinson, you know, um, 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 David um, Mooney, Montgomery is you know underrated running back. I think he could be really good if he had a better line. Um, but this was like, the, I think, the desperation gasp for the current regime in charge in Chicago. Um, and remember, they traded up for Mitch Trubisky as well, and and that that didn't work out. And I think Fields has probably about a twenty twenty five percent chance of being another Mitch Trubisky in this in this setup. Um, it, it's it's kind of it's analogous to the thing that you know the best quarterbacks go to the worst teams um, in general uh, because they're the ones drafting first, and it's a bad situation to put a young quarterback into. Um, you know, to move in right away as a starter. And he might not start. It would probably be a smart thing if he didn't. I always think that's true. Andy Dalton can, can start for a while. They've got, they've still got holes, although I suspect one of them will probably go before the season starts if they can, if they can get something for him. Um, but, um, he, he's the kind of guy, if you, if you watch the game against Clemson, He's the kind of guy who can make things happen out of out of not too much, um, yeah. and and I think that's what the Bears need now. Whether you can whether you can do that all the time, you know, week in and week out, I'm I'm not sure. But you know, that's kind of what the Jets are thinking about with Zach Wilson as well. You know, I think what they see in Zach Wilson is kind of a poor man's version of Mahomes, um, who can get balls away, you know, make make things happen, and and Wilson's got kind of the same rap as as um Trey Lance and that his level of competition wasn't that great. But but that's partly, you know, your supporting cast is not that great at that level as well. So you're you're playing on an even keel to some extent. I mean there are teams like North Dakota State has a number of games where they overpower their opposition because they're just that much better. They, but they play they play some other pretty tough one double A teams that, you know, have, have good records of, of developing players and stuff like that. And, um, you know, BYU's schedule wasn't supposed to be as bad as it was, but they, they, they had teams scheduled, but 
that opted out of the schedule. So they were forced to, um, you know, to play a, a relatively easy game. And, you know, nobody really criticizes bigger colleges when they play cupcake games, you know, um, or play, you know, for all the hype that, you know, like the big whatever it is <laughs> these days, big 12, big, big eight. Uh, I think the big 12 has eight teams now. You know, um, the big eight doesn't exist, but, but, you know, but some of those are really one-sided all the time, you know, and, and some of them, there's no defense play. You criticize us. Um, Pat, you know, Patrick Mahomes could lose, could bring his team within seven of Oklahoma, you know, what was it, 62-55 or something like that. And that's great. I mean, that shows you a lot about a guy and, and um, the Bears passed on him. Mike, Mike, you're mentioning the Bears and not to dwell on them, but we had Adam Rank on the show before and I shared the, the Jim McMahon quote where he said uh, the Packers were the best organization I ever worked for. The Bears are the where quarterbacks go to die. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you should die, but they go to, you know, to lose, if you like. But uh, the top five career passing leaders of the Bears reads like the devil's playlist within the ninth circle of hell in many ways. I mean, we're talking... Mitch Trubitsky is at number five. Uh, you've got Jim McMahon and Jim Harbour in there, Sid Luckman. And right at the top of the charts, Bears fans, just in case you've got, of course, is the wonder that is Jay Cutler. Um, it's not exactly murderer's row of the 1930s Yankees, to yeah. say the least. And, and, and Adam Gaze made his whole career by getting that you know good year out of Jay Cutler, you know, where he threw... He's the, the gays, the gays specialty, um, you know, of the, of the eight yard completion on third and on third and 10. Um, Sid Luckman was a great quarterback. No question about it. If you look at his stats, yeah. And there's a guy called, um, Mike, Mike, um, you know, Matt Maxim, Maximux did a book called, um, called the quarterback, um, handbook or something like that. Um, and what he did was he normalized the passer ratings for every year and then, and then listed the quarterbacks by their uh, relation to the average. And you see guys, Luckman, hugely above the average. Um, you know, and, and when you get into the modern era, guys who are like 20% better than the average are the, are the best quarterbacks in the, in the league. Um, and, and that's always a good, a good statistic. I, I think it's a curse from, from George Blanda on, on quarterbacks. Although I wonder what Aaron Rodgers would say about the McMahon quote. Uh, <laughs> I was, was going to say, Mike, also Graham in that, in that arena as well, I think, went flying up the charts. But I, I do have yeah. one question to ask you, and I've got to ask it because the, I know the other two gentlemen on here are too kind to ask it because we've got two Broncos fans on. And yeah, you were mentioning about the draft falling to you, Mike. And obviously, you know, and of course, if you already set a quarterback, that you can just pick the best available player. And of course, Denver obviously already has two quarterbacks um, who are equal leaders and they're able to take their franchise on to great things. So they had the luxury there at number nine, of course, of ignoring Justin Fields and ignoring Matt Jones and drafting yet another corner in the secondary. And I am being particularly provocative and trying to wind them up a little bit with that. But, uh, you know, how, how, how do you tell Denver fans to be able to sleep at night, basically, tonight? Mike? I, I, to be honest, I like Teddy Bridgewater a lot. Um, 
he's probably not the same guy he was when he was at Minnesota before before he had got hurt. Um, and I'm not sure how you describe his year with Carolina last year. I mean, remember he didn't have Christian McCaffrey for much for much of that year. So, so he was a lot of great weapons in that offense. And when he was playing in New Orleans, where they had enough weapons, he was not spectacular, but he was very, very efficient for that team. And, and, and you know, they won whatever it was, 5-0 and or 6-0 and within the quarterback. Um, so I think he's the starter there. And yes, they could have gone out and, and you know, taken a quarterback or, you know, um, I was I was thinking they might wind up trading that pick to someone else who wanted to take a quarterback um, was probably the more likely scenario. Perhaps John Elway wasn't involved in selecting, you know, making the Bridgewater trade because because what's his name um, from the Vikings is now the general manager. George Pitton. And and um, you know Elway's judgment of other quarterbacks has been questionable at best. The only decent quarterback he signed was Peyton Manning, who was literally on his last legs and, you know, had one good season and then won the Super Bowl and he had a season that was literally no better than Brock Osweiler's. Um, and, um, so, you know, I, I think Bridgewater was enough of an upgrade to avoid having to take a quarterback. They've got a good set of weapons around them. They should be able to put together a good offense. And Vic Fangio getting Patrick Sertain is, is, unfair in some ways he's he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league um you know and, and i'm sure he's still heavily involved as head coach you know the defense he built in chicago has not been the same since he left even though they it was basically the same the same players um i liked certain the best of the cornerbacks and i don't think there was a whole lot in it um between him and, and joe horn and a perfectly healthy caleb far Farley. I think, you know, you could, you're really, shed, you're splitting hairs as to which guy, you know, you might want, you know, Horn, if you like a really long guy who can play press coverage, um, you know, Far, Farley's another big guy, but he can play his own. And Sertain, I think, just looks like he's already an NFL cornerback uh, completely, you know, really, really great technique, uh, plays really smart. So, yeah, I, I think, I think that's a great value pick there. Um, and if I were a Denver fan, I would say I'd rather have improved my defense and have Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, not turning the ball over too much um, and letting that offense work. Um, it, 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 I think they'll be surprised. Uh, I, you know, people get all excited about rookie quarterbacks as if each one is going to be the savior of the franchise. And, you know, I, when you look at the last two five quarterback drafts, I mean, one of them, the jury's still out, but, but basically you have three picks that you could call successful and two, two that so far are not successful. And you know, maybe Darnold turns it around in, um, in, um, Carolina. But, um, the previous one, you know, you had two picks, two guys out of five who were successful in, in what was it, 99, you know, and, and three who were legitimately yeah. just busts. So, you know, it, it, it really is, it really is a, you know, a crapshoot. Um, yeah. And the draft, the draft itself is a crapshoot because the, that's that transition, the projection of guys into the NFL is harder than ever, I think. Um, you know, the college game and the NFL game, 
vary by so much. And, and the NFL offenses are, are beginning, they're in the process of sort of amalgamating the college offenses. But, but yeah. the, a lot of what the NFL still run is un, unheard of in, in many college programs. You know, they just don't line up over, the quarterback doesn't line up over center. Uh, they don't run power in, in that kind of way. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's like making you, they talk about receivers and you know, you've seen it only in the last few years where receivers are not having that kind of transition period where they learn about reading a defense, and, um, you know, running option routes, and, you know, which teams like New England, most of their past plays are all option routes. So you have to, you have to read the defense as well as Tom Brady did. And know that, you know, oh, this is what I'm seeing. It, it's a, you know, they're playing half cover two, half cover three. I'm going to have to break the seam here. And that's where Brady's going to throw the ball. And if you misread it, Brady's going to throw the ball there because he's run it, read it right. And you're going to be somewhere else entirely. Um, and that a lot of colleges don't do that. You watch colleges, college football, and, and you see them spreading the field, getting man coverage. And then the receivers simply use their physical ability. Um, to beat corner, beat cornerbacks one on one, and it's it, you know for them it's it's relatively easy for the quarterback. It's a, it's a predetermined throw in most cases. He knows he's going to have the one on one, and his guy is going to win win the battle seventy eighty percent of the time. So the ball is going to go there, and and that's you know it's hard to project that into the NFL. Um, they really are different things. Mike, I feel like we could. Honestly, man, and it's it's a good thing. I feel like we, I feel I feel like we could sit here at six a.m. and watch both next rounds of the draft and talk football. But like, I think for, I think for any of us, man, and I, th- I think for all of us guys, you know, a lot of us have grown up watching you on on various different platforms. And like for people maybe now that are only, that are only getting into the game, they've they've almost missed your analysis on TV. And we, I like, I mean, I I know myself. I, we definitely appreciate you coming on here talking some ball, but. Uh, can you maybe tell people watching this and just people around uh, our accounts maybe a bit about your Patreon and just what you do there? Yeah. Um, for many years, every Friday, I picked all of the NFL games for NFL UK. And then when, when they decided to to stop that column, which had originally just been a, a continuation of my column in first down, I just write about once a week everything I wanted, anything I wanted to write about. Um, I decided I would take it to a subscription channel which is patreon and um the first year i picked all the games and according to pick watch i won <laughs> me and an accu pick or, or, or i'm trying to remember if it was the first year or the second year um but any but i i literally was was of all of the things they chart they track in the states i they weren't tracking me for some reason. Oh, because it was a subscription site. The guy who runs the site didn't want to pay a subscription. And I didn't have a way of giving him it for free without, you know, anyway. Um, so anyway, I stopped doing that. Last year, I, I didn't pick all the games. I just wrote a column on Friday about whatever, whatever I wanted to do. Um, as it happened, I had my best ever year picking because <laughs> I still would pick the games on on sundays and and people would say oh you're just making that up because you can check and well i went on that's um talk sports show three times and each time they asked me to pick the early games with matt was picking and the producer was picking whoever the other guest was was picking um and i would pick them so that's three times the early games on sundays and i was 22 and two 
for those three times. So I said, look, this is I'm on a streak here. You know, for some reason, if you wait till Sunday, it's a whole lot easier than picking on on, on Fridays, you know, and the pressure's off because I wasn't telling anyone about it except afterwards. So I, I didn't have to worry. So anyway, what I do on it is I, 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 I keep saying at the end of the season, I'm not going to do it again because I don't have enough subscribers and it's a lot of work. Um, I wrote 5,000 some odd words today about the first round of the draft and, and put that up. Um, you go to patreon.com. It's Mike Carlson, FMTE for Friday morning tight end, which was the original title of the, uh, NFL UK column. And, um, you know, I think next Friday will probably just be a wrap up of the, of the whole draft and all. But, but, um, you know, I respect what guys like Peter King do at, um, in the days when he used to write on, on the Mondays. And I know that he wrote most of it before. Uh, Monday, but you know, five, six thousand words is, is a lot of writing. Um, you know, if you did that every day, you'd have a novel, you could have a novel. Um, which I keep saying to myself, why, why the hell aren't you doing that? <laughs> you know, um, but that, that's, that's kind of the thing I do to keep me busy. Um, you know, hopefully next year, um, I occasionally, uh, Nat, Nat still does a podcast for the worldwide leader. Um, and uh, during the season, I tend to go on that a little not so much in the off season. Um, uh, but I'm doing one next Thursday with him um, on that, and then you know, hopefully, Talksport will let me in the building once or twice again next next year. Um, it's I don't know what it is. As I get older, I just seem maybe to rub some people the wrong way. Um, I, I don't know. I I never worried about that before because. I mean, for years and years, we did, I mean, that show we did on Channel 5, and then it went to Channel 4, and it, it, it had a different, then it went to a different production company on Channel 4, um, and then, and you know, and I, and then I started doing the BBC for the playoffs, because they weren't doing playoffs and stuff, and I think I'm the easiest guy in the world to work with, and, and um, yeah, I don't always dominate conversations like this, I, I can actually keep things to, like, 20 second answers and, you know, and then wait for the next question, uh, from the time when, when you have to do that. And, and, um, I'm trying to think of where it was. Oh, I was doing the BBC World Service weekend, which is a wonderful show. Um, and, uh, it's a two hour program and, and you talk about loads of things. They bring in news stories and feature stories and, and stuff like that. And I do it about once a year, um, cause they don't want to make you stale. Um, but, we were doing it remotely. We're usually in a studio in, in, in London. We're doing it remotely. And when you tell me, you know, you know, if you ask me a question and let me go on, I go on. I, I could do that. And but I kept saying to the producer, if you want me out, just tell me, you know, just talk in my ear. And, and he said, well, I said, count me out, you know, say so you've got to be out in 10. Tell me and I'll, and I'll finish whatever I'm saying in 10. I've been doing this for a long time. And he said, well, uh, well don't you get bothered by it? I said, the only things you need, <laughs> I've learned this very quickly. The only things you need to do commentary, water, information, and the ability to talk while someone's screaming in your ear um, <laughs> without showing that they're screaming in your ear, you know, which I remember doing once at, at Sky when Peter Hussey was yelling. Cause I said, I said result, I think when it was a halftime score and you know, 
that was like sacrosanct. And Peter screamed from the control room to my ear, it's not a result. And it, when I watched the show, you could see my head kind of going like that, twitching because the pain inside my ears wasn't intense. But I kept on talking. <laughs> so, you know, it's not, it's not that, it's not rocket science. It beats working for a living. Although, you know, sometimes it's not that great a living, but at my age, who cares? Well, we we appreciate the time um, mm. you've given us, and, and definitely would encourage people to to check out your Patreon page. Um, well, you know, you you uh, you de not it's not just the picks. Uh, when you were on with Michael and I previously, you've talked about uh, Roquan Smith. I remember a few years ago what a good fit he was going to be. You told us about Mike Purcell and what a great pickup he'd be for the Broncos. So we can attest uh, that you you absolutely know your stuff, and we we really truly appreciate you taking the time to to talk to us uh through the the first round it's been really fascinating and uh maybe we can have you on again in the lead up to the the new season as a as a well, season preview sure you guys look so professional you know you gotta you're gonna have to give me something for it you know it's like <laughs> a, 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 a coffee mug or something you know that's yeah um you're you're speaking close to my heart there. you know there's there's always a market there's always a market did you ever see the movie the drop with James Gandolfini and Tom Hardy. And Tom Hardy, there's a, yeah. There's a, there's a scene in there where he's a bartender and they've got these Lithuanian gangsters in there and he makes the guy drink some Mickleton. And the guy, or maybe the guy asks for it, but he does this great little speech, you know, about the meaning of whiskey in life and, and stuff like that. It's, it's worth watching just for that. It, it was taken verbatim out of the, out of the novel or novella that, uh, that, that he wrote, but um, it it ends with a you know, this is good whiskey, you know, or something like that. Um, yeah, that'll work. Irish tea is good, you know. Um, Thompson's tea is good. Limerick, Limerick well, hurling, Limerick hurling jerseys, you know, that, that kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't. Well, I, I'm Irish not, I'm sports. Not, yeah, it's like uh, um, as um, as as Rick. This is my complaint about the British government right now. But you remember the scene in Casablanca where Ugati, um, who stole the letter of transit and killed the German couriers, um, says to Rick, you spies me, don't you? Rick? you know, Rick says, if I thought about it, I probably would. And, and then he says, well, I do a service for people. You know, it's like if they went to Ugat to um, Sydney Green Street, they pay much more. And Rick says, it's not a chiseler I object to. It's a cut rate chiseler. And and that's basically the British government right now. <laughs> well, well, Mike, you mentioned Irish whiskey. I'll leave you with two quick points. I I can't remember if it's in the drop, but uh, the Irish, the Gaelic for whiskey is Ishkabaha, which is literally water of life is the inter is the translation of it, which is probably yeah. accurate. Yeah. And you keep mentioning hurling and limerick hurling. There's a very bad Jason Statham film, um, which oh, I forget the name of that I bring it up, but he comes out with a, a blitz is what it's called. He comes out with a hurl, and the exact line he uses to two thugs who he promptly dispatches is, this is a hurl from the Irish game of hurling. It's like a cross between hockey and murder. And beats the hell out of them. So, anyway. yeah. yeah, whoever thought of giving Irishmen sticks, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, it was a bad idea. Well, you know, in Swedish, we say aquabeat, um, 
which is the same thing, uh, water of life, eau de vie in French. You know, it's, it's a common place. And it's true. I may go, I may go downstairs and, and have a little bit of, I've got this Jameson that's, that's, that's um, stout. It's been aged in stout bottles. Um, it's a little bit sweet, but it's not that. We it's want all, pictures, Mike. It's all good. Pictures. All good. As my grandfather would say, it's all good, some better. <laughs> Mike, definitely, I'll tell you what, it'd be great to get you on before the season starts again, and hopefully more than once. Sure. It's uh, It's been a pleasure talking to you, man. I hope, I hope you keep safe, keep well, and we'll definitely have a few pints in Dublin at some point, man. Take care. I, Thank you very much. I sure hope so. Yeah, enjoy enjoy tonight's draft. It'll be good. Thanks, Mike. All Thanks, the best, Mike. man. All the best. Thank Thanks, you, Mike. Guys. Um, I'm just going to say it. Yeah, the legendary Mike Carlson, boys. Uh, the legendary Mike Carlson. The guy that uh, has done a lot for people getting into the sport here, UK, Ireland. Done a lot. I mean, I'll be the first guy to say it. I sat up to 4.30 a.m. with maybe a, a six-pack of beer and, and a Domino's on the floor and watched him and Nakum's talk. And uh, Yeah, great guy. Um, obviously, thanks to Trust for providing the equipment. Uh, we have a big show tomorrow night. Um, we have a special guest. We have uh, an Irish footballer who plays as a striker for Leinster Senior League side, Luke and United, Dave Mooney, coming on. Brian, at, uh, at 10 o'clock tomorrow night. I'm so sorry. No? News to me. You know, I was referring to the boy to Steve Moody and not any Dave Mooney. I actually do know Dave Mooney, funny enough. Oh, I can get him on if you wish. Um, yeah, but we'll be on tomorrow night. There, there will be a few guests. Good crack this morning, boys. Uh, we got there. I've actually been in four counties today. Don't tell Michal or Arlene if she still cares. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow night. Enjoy the draft tonight. We will try and be on Twitter. See you tomorrow night, 10 p.m. It's long about. Thank you. Good night. Good luck.